places. Life is a main time. I belong in the fetus, twisted and main time. Fire sound, twisted fire sound. to the Tory Sess Show. It's the 20th of July. Boy, did that month go by fast, didn't it? Well, there's tons going on, and I think we should get this party started and uh, take a look into what they are telling you you should know, what you need to know about. How's that? What you're supposed to know about, what you're supposed to care about, is everything they tell you about in the news. And some of it is important. Some of it is not. Well, all of it is not important, actually. Because none of them are going to keep that roof over your head. None of them are going to maintain your health. Hmm. But there's a lot of dispelling that we must do today. Uh, a ton of it. So where do we start? Do we start with the fear porn? Do we start with the he said, she said? Where do we begin? I mean... There's just so much, so much. So I think we should start maybe with the fear porn, right? And here's a load of fear porn you probably didn't expect. So remember when these Democrats ran away from Texas? Ooh, we need to run. Ooh, we need to get going. Ooh, we need to not vote and we're going to run. Oh, yeah, we're going to arrest you. Watch what we're going to do. Look at us. We're going to arrest you. Yeah, they didn't arrest anybody, but they came back. And what's funny is, is not only did they come back with COVID, but now we also have monkeypox, which is a version of Ebola. Not like we knew it was coming with the vaccine. Take a listen to your news. State of Texas to obstruct a vote on election integrity has tested positive for COVID-19, bringing the total number of cases among the members up to six. Now they're refusing to give any additional updates on their vaccine status, telling NBC News, quote, we're focused on our daily testing, following and going beyond CDC guidelines, social distancing and wearing masks as much as possible. We're just not going to release daily counts. Uh, let's welcome in Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, Ken, uh, what are we to make of this? You know, MSNBC hosted the Texas House Democrats in a town hall where they continue to defy 
their calls to go back and do their job. Uh, they say they're making great sacrifices. I think there are many Americans all across this country uh, who would beg to differ. Well, first of all, it's a little ironic that they left with a six-pack of uh, Miller Lite and now they have six cases of corona. But I will say that this is pretty sad that they are leaving supposedly to protect voting and they're preventing over 150 legislators from doing their job as elected representatives to actually vote on legislation that the people of Texas want. And so it's, it's just a little ironic that this is what they're supposedly fighting for, but they're a minority group stopping the Texas legislature from functioning the way it's supposed to per the Constitution and per the voters of Texas. Now, you're the chief law enforcement official in the state of Texas. Talk to us a little bit about what, if any, are the legal actions uh, within your purview, within the purview of the state of Texas to actually get them back from our nation's capital to do their job or at the very least hold them accountable for not doing so? So there's a reason they left the state. If they were inside of our jurisdiction, they could be arrested, brought back to the House and and basically forced to at least be on the House for to create a quorum, whether they voted for or against certain legislation would be up to them or not vote at all, but they would be forced to at least do their job. When you leave the state, we, we lose jurisdiction to arrest people. And certainly we're not going to get cooperation from, you know, Washington, D.C., the swamp to get our people back. So they know what they're doing. Uh, the problem is I don't know what the end game is, because if they want to live in Texas, eventually they're going to have to vote. So I don't really understand the end game other than to create a lot of publicity for them and, and prevent legislation from moving forward in a timely fashion and also impact the families of other legislators who otherwise would be working. Instead, they're here making $600 a month. So you're having a, they're having a very negative impact on the lives of these other legislators who are just trying to do their job. So I have a question for everyone in Texas. All right. So they ran away. So there's no quorum. They're getting paid $600 a month. Who paid for the airline tickets? Number one, did they use uh, public funds? Number two, is there a law? Uh, What's it called? Abandonment of position. Get cracking Q warrant people. There's got to be some verbiage in that Texas Constitution slash legislation that's so big and nice. I mean, Dallas has got some gems. Absolutely. Want to switch gears uh, from the political problems to the human problems facing the American people. We have a crisis on the southern border that the Biden administration refuses to acknowledge. Uh, Border Patrol has encountered nearly 190,000 migrants at the southern border in June alone. Uh, almost 40,000 gotaways a month is what we're seeing right now. Uh, we know the people who have crossed the border without being apprehended. Uh, we know the total number of gotaways uh, clearly exceeds at this point over 300,000 uh, by most estimates. And those are just the ones that got away that we know got away. How do we get people to take this border crisis seriously? Because in the balance is all this fentanyl that we know is being fueled by China coming across our border and fueling an, op a, an overdose outrage outbreak like we've never seen before. So amazing that we had policies in place that President Trump had put in place after policies that didn't work under the Obama administration. So you'll remember we had the same caravan issue, just not as bad when Obama was in office. So President Trump created the stay in Mexico policy to deal with the, the loopholes related to asylum. He, he stopped the catch and release. He allowed, he started building a wall. All of these policies begin to really take hold and really work. And so you can go back and look, just look at the numbers from last year versus now. We have the worst border crisis we've ever had. 
The Biden administration has empowered the cartels and continues to do so at the expense of the American people, at the expense of Texans for sure, at the expense of even the immigrants who are now subject to cartel control, who have to pay them, who are beholden to the cartels, and then at the expense of Americans who are now suffering because we have this massive infusion of drugs into our country and then this massive infusion of human trafficking and sex trafficking. This is all on, on the Biden administration, and they chose it. They, they are empowering the cartels to do all of this. Well, to that point, right, he has the crisis they won't acknowledge is the crisis of the southern border, the crisis they can't stop talking about, which is COVID-19 and the increase in actual contraction. Uh, you have Senator Ted Cruz, who basically said, if we have, to the extent that we do have rising rates of COVID-19 in Texas, it's driven in part by these people who are streaming across the border illegally, uh, effectively at the behest of the Biden administration. Well, well, at the behest of who? Well, well, not an administration. All right. So I want to see, see, I wanted to do a Q&A on Twitch, but it wouldn't be fair to everyone else. This is why I urge all of you to get on Twitch, because at some point they're going to sequester my butt. And I don't know how Facebook is allowing me to stream, um, but I am, and it won't be for long. So here's a question I want to ask, and just in one word, from all those other channels and news, uh, tell me what they think is news for you. Because I'm going to tell you what all of them thump all the time and how they didn't tell you the news. And I'm going to tell you. And this isn't about the art. That's coming. Uh, I want you to just tell me in one, you know, one little phrase, what is the most important thing that you see? I'm looking at all the chats now. Go. Let's take a look. Delta, 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 COVID, Delta, climate change, fear porn, COVID, watching the water, propaganda, COVID, water, passports, Lambda variant. So isn't it, all right, okay, I'm getting it, Cuba, COVID, right, the mainstream media is lying, vaccine, COVID, vaccine, COVID, it's all... It's all fear porn, right? It's all, all of it, right? Well, I'm going to show you today what news they're not telling you, right? So, uh, but we should talk about COVID a little bit just to dispel a few things. And, you know, the best way to do that is to listen to them talk, isn't it? Isn't it perfect for them to talk first? Because I know a lot of people, I don't like watching this. You need to. Because they tell you everything you need to know. Every single thing you need to know, they tell you, as long as you're listening. So let's go first to Rand Paul, right? Great comeback on speaking. I mean, he is a doctor. Uh, he was actually at the Eastern uh, University of Kentucky Moorhead, uh, where I had met him before he ran for office. Um, great, smart guy. Take a listen. Of the research that the NIH said was subject to the pause in 2014 to 2017, a pause in funding on gain of function. But the NIH failed to recognize this, defines it away, and it never came under any scrutiny. Dr. Richard E. Bright, a molecular biologist from Rutgers, described this research in Wuhan as, the Wuhan lab used NIH funding to construct novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses able to infect human cells and laboratory animals. This is high-risk research that creates new 
potential pandemic pathogens, potential pandemic pathogens that exist only in the lab, not in nature. This research matches, these are Dr. Ebright's words, this research matches, indeed epitomizes, the definition of gain-of-function research done entirely in Wuhan, for which there was supposed to be a federal pause. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Why are you giving him the opportunity for retraction? He lied. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress. Microphone. Your microphone. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. So pay attention to the nice Indian guy back here shaking his head. No, no, no. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function. So what was, let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans. Right. You're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And, and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I. Oh, wait a minute. He just defined gain of function, but that's not gain of function. Okay. So that's not gain of function. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to educate you, even though you're a doctor and not a pencil pusher like I am. I'm going to educate you. I want to say that officially. You do not know what you are talking about. Let's okay, you get NIH. one person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of function. This is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific... His words. Remember, we use their words to shut him up. ...research that increases the transmissibility among animals is gain of function. They took animal viruses that only occur in animals and they increase their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function. It is not. It's a dance, and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for 4 million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic. And let's let Dr. Fauci. I have to, well, now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the, the grant that was funded as a sub-award from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2, that's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. It did I come can from the lab, but all you. the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab. You, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I totally this committee resent, will allow the witness to. Respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator, because look at if the you Indian look at the viruses that were used in the experiments that were given in the annual reports that were published in the literature, it is molecularly impossible. No one's saying those it, viruses it is, caused it. It no is, one is molecularly. Those virus caused the pandemic. What we're alleging is that gain of function research was going on in that lab and NIH funded it. That you is can't not. Get away from it. It meets your definition and you are obfuscating the truth. I'm not obfuscating the truth. Senator you Paul's are the one. Time is expired, but I will allow the witness to. Let me just finish. I want everyone to understand that if you look at those viruses, and that's judged by qualified virologists and evolutionary biologists. Those viruses are molecularly impossible no one's to result in SARS-CoV-2. No one's saying caused the pandemic. We're saying they are gain-of-function viruses because yeah, they were animal not. viruses that became more transmissible in human, and you funded it. And you... Yeah, and here's the thing. Let me tell you something about research. 
So when you're doing something that's not good, what you do is you show results on things that are benign, that can't happen. They're theoretical. You never put the real shit out there. That's how they got cloning done. So there's that. So, you know, you're never going to be held accountable, says Fauci, right? Fauci says he's not going to be held accountable. Many are now telling you, no, guess what? Getmo is so busy. People are getting hung. All this shit's happening. Let me tell you about Gitmo now. Let's talk about Gitmo because <laughs> Nuremberg 2.0 ain't happening in Gitmo. There's more happening. Take Information from a brutal interrogation had troubled Biden administration lawyers and was a source of tension with the chief prosecutor at Guantanamo Bay, who will retire soon. Washington. Military prosecutors have asked to wipe from the record information gleaned from the torture of a detainee now held at Guantanamo Bay, reversing their earlier position that the information could be used in pretrial proceedings against the man. By law, prosecutors in a military commission trial are forbidden to submit evidence derived from torture. But in May, the judge, Colonel Lanny J. Acosta Jr., ruled that while juries could not see that type of evidence, judges could consider it in determining pretrial matters. Biden administration lawyers were troubled by the decision because they would be expected to defend the use of such information before appeals courts. The ruling, the first known instance in which a military judge permitted prosecutors to use information gained through torture, also carries larger implications for all cases at Guantanamo. The chief prosecutor at Guantanamo for a decade, Brigadier General Mark S. Martins, had cited a statement obtained through torture, clashing with senior administration officials who questioned his authority to do so. The dispute played a part in his unexpected decision to retire from the Army 15 months early, on September 30th. The detainee, Abd al-Rahim al-Nashiri, is a Saudi man accused of orchestrating al-Qaeda's bombing of the U.S. Navy destroyer coal off Yemen in 2000, which killed 17 sailors. At issue has been an effort by Mr. Nashiri's lawyers to learn more about the reasons for a U.S. drone strike in Syria in 2015 that killed another man suspected of being a Qaeda bomber, Mohsen al-Fadli. Pursuing a possible defense argument, they have sought to determine whether the United States has already killed men it considered to be the masterminds of the coal bombing. Prosecutors asked the judge to end that line of inquiry pointing to a classified cable that reported that Mr. Nashiri had told CIA agents as he was being interrogated at a black site in Afghanistan that Mr. Fadli had had no involvement. Mr. Nashiri's lawyers protested the use of the CIA information and added that the prisoner had made the disclosure as interrogators used a broomstick in a particularly cruel way, causing him to cry out. The judge has yet to decide the overarching question of whether defense lawyers can continue to seek classified information about the drone attack. But he sided with the prosecutors, ruling that he could consider what Mr. Nashiri had said in deciding the matter. In response, defense lawyers filed an emergency appeal with a higher court, seeking a reversal. Government lawyers have yet to respond. But Friday, prosecutors asked the judge, Colonel Acosta, to remove from the record information about the CIA interrogation. You know, the high value intelligence group, not like I know anything about that, 
But let me move you along to something that's so not so AI put together so that you can see how much bullshit you're being fed so you can't be paying attention to what's really going on. Instead, they're telling you all this amazing stuff is going on. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Let me show you a video of Guantanamo Bay right now. Okay? Let's look at this video together. Together. We would like to welcome you to Guantanamo, Cuba. We're arriving at the home of the most costly and controversial prison on earth. For more than a century, this corner of Cuba has been an American naval base. But for the past 20 years, it's been notorious for the Guantanamo Bay Detention Center. Now overgrown with weeds and vines, this is the site of the old Camp X-Ray. When the first prisoners arrived here in 2002, they were held in eight square foot cages, force-fed, beaten and tortured. That image of men in orange suits, shackled, kneeling on the ground in the oppressive Cuban heat is the enduring one for many across the world of Guantanamo Bay Detention Centre. Around 780 suspected terrorists have been held at Guantanamo. Just eight have been convicted and four have had those convictions overturned. 39 prisoners now remain, held at a detention centre which we're not allowed to film. Hearings take place not on American soil, but under a military judge at Camp Justice. We're here for one of them. Abdul Hadi al-Iraqi is charged with being an Al-Qaeda commander in Afghanistan, allegedly responsible for multiple deaths. His defence lawyer believes he's a prisoner of war and should be repatriated. This case is essentially the litigation of the war in Afghanistan. And the war in Afghanistan is over. President Biden told us that last week. <laughs> the United States entered into a peace agreement. with. It's the over, they say. A year and a half ago. And certainly at this point, um, Guantanamo Bay shouldn't be the only place that the war in Afghanistan is being fought. So let me tell you something. Do you know that Turkey right now has actually put their hands up and said, listen, Taliban, if you if you don't stop fucking around, fuck around and find out what's going to happen because we're joining arms with Pakistan. I told you to pay attention that the minute he starts to pull people out and he really did in the wrong way, you're going to see Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, all those. And I said that shit two years ago. It's going to implode in our faces. They are going to expand. We've got freaking Turkey trying to put an arm wrestle on that. And listen to what she says. The war in Afghanistan is over. There was no war to begin with. Let's be strange. My client should be sent home. Abdul Hadi al-Iraqi has been in Guantanamo for 14 years and his trial still hasn't properly started yet. His case typifies why some say the justice process here isn't fit for purpose. Every prisoner at Guantanamo Bay costs around £10 million a year. Former President Obama tried and failed to shut it down. Now it's President Biden's problem. This former Guantanamo prosecutor has switched sides. Fundamentally, it was wrong to take people and place them in a cage and throw away the key. Um, if there was ever a true intent to follow through with meaningful fair trials, then that needed to happen quickly. For the 5,500 people living in Guantanamo, it's more than a prison camp. And that's certainly the message the new boss of the naval base wants to convey. With the war in Afghanistan winding down, is Guantanamo moving to a new chapter?
Yes, of course. Uh, we um, This installation has been in existence for over 100 years. Um, the exposure that received uh, based on the detention facility um, uh, is... I'm sorry. As a linguist, I have to step in and say, please take a very good listen to his enunciation. Exposure that received uh, based on the detention facility um, uh, is understandable, um, but it's not the sole function of this installation. What a bad actor. The detention centre here was established to bring justice in wake of the horrors of 9-11. 20 years on, it's yet to be delivered. And as the forever wars are ending, the last vestige of that conflict limps on. Martha Kellner, Sky News, Guantanamo Bay. So that happened, let's see, they reported that on the 20th, that's today. Hold on, there's more. Because see, the stuff that they're telling you is happening, that isn't happening, that's kind of happening, that may be happening, well, I'm telling you what's really happening. So first of all, we've got a captain that doesn't, that's called Samuel White, doesn't speak English as a first language. Definitely not Hispanic either. I'm just saying, you should listen to the accent. So where do I take you? I think I should take you to, give me a second. Let me just make sure I have the right video up for you. Cause I'm about to blow your mind. So um, let's see, where are you? There we go. That's it. Gitmo. So the prisoner that was released on the 29th of uh, December, uh, Biden released his, um, Detainee, very specific one too. Considering I was part of the fucking HVIG and I know exactly who, what, when, where, but take a listen to this report. Administration released its first detainee from the U.S. detention camp at Guantanamo Bay Naval Base in Cuba. As Amna Navaz reports, it's an effort to decrease the population and eventually shut down the prison complex nearly two decades after its opening. Judy, the Biden administration says its goal is to close the U.S. military prison in Guantanamo Bay. Today, they began that process by releasing Abdul Latif Nasser. He was never charged with a crime, but remained detained for 19 years. Today, he was repatriated to Morocco, where he will remain under tight security measures. Nearly 800 prisoners have passed through Guantanamo since detainees first arrived there in early 2002. Now, 39 men remain. To discuss today's move, I'm joined by Tom Durkin. He is the lawyer for Abdul Latif Nasser. Tom Durkin, welcome to the News Hour, and thanks for making the time. Tell me, what was your reaction and his when you learned he was going to leave Guantanamo today after nearly two decades? Well, I I can't speak for him because I haven't spoken to him yet. I, I did speak to his brother, who was absolutely ecstatic. Um, I'm told he's been released in Morocco, but I, I haven't heard from him yet. Um, he probably has more important people to see than me at this moment. Um, I, I was just tremendously relieved. Um, I, it, it's, uh, it's like getting a boulder off your shoulder. Um, <clears throat> it's the best I can say. It's just awful what happened to him. Now, he was cleared for release, we should say, back in 2016. Do you know why this happened today? I don't know why it happened today. I do know why. I, I have a theory on why it happened uh, in, the, in the last few weeks, because we have a pleading that was due in the federal court. 
And um, we had filed along with Bernard Harcourt at Columbia Law School with the help of some law students there, um, an amendment to a mass petition for 11 people who were uh, labeled forever prisoners. And I believe he was released because the Biden administration had the integrity not to file a pleading opposing his release that they didn't believe in, um, unlike the Trump administration. So what can you tell us about his situation in Morocco? Because you just mentioned his family said to you he's been released, but Moroccan authorities did say they took him into custody and they were going to investigate him on suspicion of committing terrorist acts. So what is his current status there? I, I don't know exactly. Um, I do know that the family was told that there was not going to be a lengthy investigation, which is not uncommon. I, I had two other detainees released uh, in the past, one to the Sudan and one to Algeria, and um, those investigations aren't usually very lengthy. Um, they're, they're generally to get agreements from him that he will abide by certain conditions or what have you. So Tom Durkin, we should remind folks, your client was captured by US forces in Afghanistan. He had trained at an Al-Qaeda camp. And just in May of this year, a number of Republican senators sent a letter to President Biden urging him not to release any more prisoners from Guantanamo, saying that the men who remain there, including your client then, quote, are all high risk. Do you believe that your client still poses a security risk? No, that, that's an absurd, so let me remind you, you guys can look it up on Tory Said, where I demonstrated to you how Barack Hussein Obama had released some dude when he first got in, released him. It was the dude that was the bodyguard for Osama bin Laden, bodyguard driver, you know, those fake ass uh, titles for right hand man, released him. And then when he went there, he created the Al Qaeda arm in Somalia. Right. So this is where you got Al-Shabaab beefed up. So look at what Biden's doing. He's releasing it to the homeland country of Barack Hussein Obama in Morocco. It's not an investigation. It's called a debriefing. Hyperbolic statement that they've been using to justify Guantanamo for years. It's simply false. It started with Bush's statement that they had the worst of the worst there. Um, a, a periodic review board found him not to be a risk. Those are Department of Defense people. They're not uh, bleeding heart liberals. Uh, he was found not to be a risk, as are the 11 others who are dubbed the forever detainees. They should be released immediately. None of the low value detainees should still be there. Military commissions are a different discussion. Well, that prison remains open, despite the efforts and the stated intention of a number of presidents. I have to ask, do you think that President Biden will be the one who actually succeeds in transferring out the remaining detainees and closing Guantanamo Bay? Only if the, the Democrats maintain control of the House and the Senate. Um, it's become a political football. It's an absurd political football. Um, I blame the judiciary for keeping it open. The judiciary has no spine when it comes to Guantanamo. And uh, it's sad. I, I never thought I would say that about uh, the federal judiciary. But when it comes to an issue like Guantanamo, they, they are spineless. They have bent over backwards to give executive authority unfettered limit and no limitation whatsoever. And uh, Guantanamo is a classic example of that. And, and 
it, it's difficult to say you can still believe in the rule of law and to have participated in Guantanamo. Uh, it's a mockery of the rule of law. That is Tom Durkin, lawyer for the now former Guantanamo Bay detainee, Abdul. Lawyer for one of the people that you're going to be hearing about in about 2026. <laughs> it's going to be really hot on the other side of the pond, but we'll, you'll see it then. Right? Not now. Then. Because that's how shit rolls, right? He's now back at where, you know, Obama was literally conceived in Morocco. And, uh, you know, no big deal. Just sending him there. They're doing an investigation. It doesn't last long. No, it doesn't last long because it's called a debriefing, right? And that all happened in the past couple of days. But nobody talked about it. Because they're telling you that people are already there getting arrested and murdered and hung and held accountable. <laughs> Whatever. I am not going to. So Guantanamo Bay in Cuba, right, where the Internet was cut off, right? And <laughs> that Internet was set up, right, by Hunter Biden's company, right, and the CIA, right, that one. We've got Guantanamo right there, and we don't have a handle on Cuba. Like, who do you tell that to and says, yep, that's legit? Legit, legit, legit. You've got 5,500 soldiers, sailors, birdmen, you name it, right there in the, in the thick of it, and you have no handle on it. So weird. But you know what's even weirder? When you see this week how President Trump knew it all. <sighs> oh, my gosh. And, you know, I have to thank John for that. In between all of my damn appointments, every single one of them, we actually were able to sit down for an hour and 15 minutes and parse through documents. And an agreement came across my hands that had a name that was very familiar, a Canadian name that was very familiar. And I'm like, wait a minute. Where'd this document come from? Damn, President Trump, you on it. So I was like, I wonder how he knew if this document was just unearthed. It's very interesting. So when you hear about Gitmo, how busy they are. That busyness you saw in the past month was them getting ready to fuck Cuba up so that they can pull some chains. That's the busyness you saw and the release of this detainee. So that's what's happening. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Now, going back to COVID, as you know, the uh, supposed administration, the embarrassment, the thing that makes us embarrassed to be American that calls itself an administration, has the worst surgeon general on the planet right now. I think I would trust Tedros while getting a colonoscopy from Captain Hook than this guy. I want you guys to listen to what he has to say. What is it? He was clapping back at Facebook for comments because Facebook was like, we don't do that. Listen. Advisory this week to combat misinformation, uh, specifically on social media. After President Biden said that social medias are killing people, here's what a Facebook official said to CNN in response. 
quote, in private exchanges, the Surgeon General has praised our work, including our efforts to inform people about COVID-19. They knew what they were doing. The White House is looking for scapegoats for missing their vaccine goals. So that Facebook official is accusing you of saying one thing in public and another behind closed doors. Is that accurate? Well, I've been very consistent in what I've said uh, to the technology companies, and I've spoken with a number of them uh, over the last many months, and my team has as well. And what I've effectively said is when we see steps that are good, uh, that are being taken, we should acknowledge those. And there have been some positive steps taken by these technology companies. Some of them have worked uh, to try to up, you know, up promote accurate sources like the CDC and, and, and other medical sources. Others have tried to reduce uh, the prevalence of false uh, res uh, sources in search results. But what I've also said to them publicly and privately is that it's not enough, that we are still seeing a proliferation of misinformation online. And we know that health misinformation harms people's health. It costs them their lives. Uh, I've seen that as a doctor over the years as patients have struggled with health misinformation. And here's a key thing to remember, health misinformation takes away our freedom and our power to make decisions for us and for our families. And that's a problem. And this, the platforms have to recognize that they've played a major role in the increase and in speed and scale with which misinformation is spreading. And what about the specific accusation that you're making Facebook and other social media platforms a scapegoat? Well, my concern, you know, as Surgeon General has been consistent from the beginning. We saw misinformation flowing around COVID-19 from the beginning. Uh, and we've raised those concerns to these companies. And I've spoken about my concerns about misinformation publicly numerous times uh, over the last many months. Uh, my concern is that we're not seeing nearly enough progress here. And that's one of the reasons I issued this advisory. It's not entirely about the tech companies. I issued this advisory to call the entire country to action, recognizing there are steps all of us can take. Technology companies have an important role, particularly when it comes to being yeah. transparent with the public about how much misinformation is flowing on their sites. But think about individuals, Dana. Each of us has a decision that, that we make every time we post something on social media. And I'm asking people to pause and to, to see, is the source accurate? Is it coming from a scientifically credible authority? And if it's not, or if you're not sure, don't share. Yeah, and to that point, you said that disinformation coming from so-called bad actors is also to blame, blame for this. And I want our viewers to have an idea of disinformation being spread on the right. Take a listen. There's nothing more anti-democratic, anti-freedom than pushing an experimental drug on Americans against their will. The idea that you would force people to take medicine they don't want or need is there a precedent for that in our in our lifetime? I feel like a vaccination in, in a weird way is just generally kind of going against nature. I wonder if that person has ever flown in an airplane or a car or taken an Advil, but uh, besides. Okay, so she's calling the fact that they're pushing an experimental vaccine fake news. Listen to what he says. It's that uh, President Biden did accuse social media platforms of killing people. Do you think conservative media like Fox News are doing the same? Are they killing people too with rhetoric like you just heard? Well, then I think all of us, including the media, including individuals, health professionals, have a responsibility to share the truth about health as science dictates, as science informs us. 
And, you know, unless we do that, unless we are honest about the consequences of our communication with people. This is where your words kill people. You got to be thrown into jail. I got to round you up because your words kill. Fuck crimes. Hmm. Ministry of truth. Unless we are rigorous about ensuring that what we communicate is actually sourced from science and not from opinion on critical issues like the vaccine, then we are going to ultimately put people at risk. And that is my my great worry, Dana. There are people all across our country, and I hear from folks all the time, who are struggling to make decisions uh, about their health. After this very difficult year we've been through, people deserve to have access to accurate information. They deserve to hear that from their leaders. They deserve to hear that from the media. They deserve to see that on platforms online. Again, this guy is wearing a uniform, okay? And he just said that anybody that disagrees with what they have to say is killing people in a nice way. He should be stripped of everything down to the bone and exiled from this nation. How dare you wear that uniform? and say something so disgusting and so anti-American. It's one thing when the bitch to your right says stupid shit, but it's another thing when you're wearing that uniform and you're supposed to be representing this nation to sit there and say that what people say kills people. And that they need that information to be able to make decisions to protect themselves and their families. That's the least we can do for them. And my worry is that uh, all this is misinformation that's floating around is having a real cost that can be measured in lives lost. And that is just tragic. The Biden White House calling out the misinformation machine, accusing Facebook of killing people by letting anti-vaccine lies linger on the platform. Why is this doughboy saying things like that with such conviction? This is these people do deserve Oscars. This is why. You know, they nominated the governor for his acting role. It reminded me of an old quote by a French philosopher, Paul Virilio, who taught that when you invent the ship, you invent the shipwreck. Here, let's put the quote on screen from one of his books. He wrote, to invent the train is to invent the train wreck. To invent the family automobile is to produce the pileup on the highway. So to invent Facebook is to invent what else? How would you describe the pileup that we are all in right now. Like CNN? Uh, Kara Swisher read that quote aloud at a book party we hosted for the authors of that new expose about Facebook called An Ugly Truth. The book is full of insights about Facebook's ugly underbelly. And of course, some of that involves mis and disinformation, including about vaccines. That's what the Biden administration is focusing on right now. It's not hard to find uh, anti-vaccination propaganda on the platform. Uh, We took a look and this is the result. If you just search the hashtag vaccines kill, you'll see it live on Facebook right now. So let's all start the trend. CNN kills. Are you gonna be putting a gulag? No, because apparently if people do not say what you say, their words kill. See, Jesse Waters yesterday when I put it out there was super spot on, like he saw that coming. But what you need to understand is you had your surgeon general confirm that verbiage kills kind of like guns kill not the people that pull the triggers right so we should sue gun owners so now it's words kill 
right? Words go, oh, oh, you, you just said I need to work. Your words are killing me. See, this is how it is. It's experimental. Those are just words. We say it's safe, so you, you can't say it's not because we said so. But it's experimental. But we said so. And this is a big problem. Huh. You get irritated watching this? You should. You should because you let it happen. And you'll see hundreds of posts, some of them sowing doubt about the vaccines, expressing not just skepticism or hesitancy, but hostility, rejecting basic science and medicine. And as you look at that scroll, which we kind of blur because we don't want to show too much of that nonsense, you'll see faces like Tucker Carlson. You'll see Alex Jones of InfoWars. You'll see an entire ecosystem of this content. And that's, I'm going to say. I know, right? Why can't people just listen to what we have to say? We are the gods of knowledge. We are the ones that say, you know what? It reminds me of the Pharisees. How dare you take your clothes off the drawing line on a Sabbath? How dare you perform a miracle on a Sabbath? Who are you to dispute my law? And it's like, dude, the Sabbath is for man to relax. If he wants to pull his damn clothes off a clothesline, he shall. If he wants to, you know, get up and walk for the first time, he shall. What is it with these people? Well, you know, one thing I have to say, the word Pharisee comes to mind right now. These are your Pharisees. The people that tell you they are all-knowing. So, you know, when Austin Steinbart had coined the cult, you know, circle jerk that no Q. <laughs> okay, sure you do. Um, right, John? Sure they do. Um, he was right. They're Pharisees. All of them are Pharisees depending on what religion you focus on. The religion of communism, you listen to these Pharisees. The religion of hopium, you listen to these. The religion of making you look retarded and crazy with digital red strength, you listen to that one. Pharisees. Look it up. That's what they are. They are the ultimate rule now. You have no say, you are not allowed to go against the grain, and don't you dare post something they do not approve. Because if they don't approve of it, then you're banned, silenced for, you know, the conservative ones that, you know, supposedly are pro-free speech. They ban and they silence. And if they're not saying it, it isn't true. <laughs> they kind of sound like CNN. Take one minute before I'm going to bring in my guest, okay? That's why I'm a little uncomfortable with the obsession over Facebook. As, as if it's the only source of misinformation and disinformation about vaccines. That's, you know, the Biden White House is focusing on right now. Facebook, the Surgeon General came out with this warning, focusing on social media platforms, including Facebook. But we have to recognize there are dozens of reasons for vaccine hostility. And Facebook is intensifying many of them because of you know, the, the sense of community that forms there. When you look through that vaccines kill hashtag, it gets really sad. You see lonely people trying to connect with one another by sharing lies, forming community around those lies, enhancing. So why, why do you give a shit if they're lies? Are they affecting you? Yes, they are, aren't they? Because they're not watching you. They're not buying your shit, 
Leave them alone. They could they could share whatever. Oh, what about the furries? Let's go attack those. The people that dress up like little foxes, kittens, and 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 you know rabbits and whatever, and they just get together. They share lies. We should all get rid of them because they share lies. Oh, maybe we should get rid of real action. You know what is it? Real live, uh, real real live action role play groups. We should get rid of those too. We should get rid of Muslims. We should get rid of Christians. We should get rid of Buddha. Because you know what? They're not saying the things we're telling them to do. Let's just start with the ones that we hate the most right now. The ones that are hurting our pocket. And that's the ones that are questioning what we say. How dare you question your Pharisees? Each other's fears. But trying to make friends. The, the impact of this technology is so profound. It's something that Mark Zuckerberg couldn't have possibly imagined when he invented the ship and invented the shipwreck. And the truth is we just don't know that much about it. We don't actually know how much ab about the platform. And it's unclear whether Facebook actually knows the inner workings of what its algorithms do, of how the platform affects people. Uh, that's the subject of this exclusive interview uh, now, uh, to go behind the scenes um, into how Facebook handles negative press, negative attention, Nobody gives a shit how they handle it. Their job is simply to provide a platform. That's what their job is. But the UN took their IP and now they're in control. And then you have this alexithymic casing of a human that is the face of this Facebook. A book that has all your faces in it. And he's going to tell you how they're working and how their computer isn't smart enough to shut you up fast enough. Revelations about its platform? Brian Boland was a vice president of partnership strategy at Facebook for 11 years. Uh, he quit late last year. Um, he saw issues with Facebook's uh, uh, approach to transparency and accountability, or lack thereof. Uh, Brian is speaking out now. This is his first TV interview since leaving Facebook. Brian, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me. I was going off script at the beginning because uh, I think there's all this blame is being apportioned, and there's a lot of blame to go, to go around uh, for, for the, the lack of a vaccine uptake in this country. I mean, geez, you know, Canada had to wait months for the vaccines, and now Canada is ahead of the U.S. There's a lot of blame to go around. It's not just Facebook. I just want to say that up front. Yeah, because like I told you years ago, it was really creepy when I was in Canada. No offense, my Canadian people. But when I saw they had sequestered all your rewards into aeroplane miles, I was like, damn, communism 101. Sequester all the shit that gives them free shit so they can give you all their information for free so they can get free shit. And all you get is aeroplane miles. We're getting there. But when you hear President Biden say Facebook's killing people, Let's go ahead and play the clip and hear your reaction since you worked there for 11 years. They're killing people. The only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And, that, and, they're, and they're killing people. How did you feel when you heard that? You know, Brian, that was a, a truly stunning thing to hear. And it, it obviously... Right? A president, a supposed president of the United States saying that words kill. Right? And that the pandemic is only amongst those that aren't vaccinated. But wait a minute, didn't like all those Democrats that flew over to run away from voting get COVID? Were they vaccinated? Fuck yeah, they were, supposedly. Obviously, it feels terrible to hear the president say something like that. Now, 
I think your point is super important up front that there's a whole ecosystem of misinformation out there. And it's important to understand. Keyword ecosystem. Understand what happens and the impacts on ecosystem. And you know, there's this debate back and forth of, of what impact is misinformation on Facebook around a whole broad array of topics. But today, this misinformation on vaccine. Co-founder of the Delta Fund. That we could understand the impact. And that's the important point. There's this saying at Facebook, which is data wins arguments. And you could understand whether this is a massive problem um, or a smaller problem if everyone was looking at the same data. And that's part of the problem is that I feel like, you know, the president is left without the data that he needs to really understand what role Facebook's playing in the Right? Facebook isn't being harsh enough. What the fuck are you guys doing? Didn't we tell you to bring down the hammer? Right? And shut these stupid people up because they're ruining our plan. You better move it along. But, 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 but. So let's take a quick intermission, all right? Because I'm really feeling that. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh Lord. And I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. Oh Lord. Can you feel it? Can you guys feel it in the air? Can you? It's quite astonishing what is happening in our nation, what is happening in our communities, what is happening to yourself. Yesterday, I talked about your thoughts turning into things. Your thoughts do turn into things. They turn into what we call signals, right? And this is quite important for you to understand. If you are stressed, you release signals to your body that you are under stress. This is how your thoughts become reality. And the one thing about thoughts is that any sense you have, whether that be your eyes and the way you see things and your touch, the sound, they're all about vibrations and frequencies that have two dual positions. That's uh, the peak and the trough, right? They go up and down and seem to be in a wave formation. Again, a peak and trough, peak and trough, right? That's the duplicity of an interpretation of a signal. 
the presence and the absence. Because music, the music that you just heard during the intermission, is not just continuous sound. It's sound and silence, all alternating, peak and trough, peak and trough. And this is something that you must understand. Everything has to do with the resonation of frequency. There is no front without acknowledging there is a back. There is no left without acknowledging there is a right hand. There is no heads if there are no tails, right? This is how it is. But see, the funny thing is, is that uh, the awareness that everybody has on how they feel about things is, is quite interesting. And I say this because uh, the sounds and the things that you read and the things that you see, you know, are happening in front of you all the time. They're just occurring. It's, it's a flow. It's not something you can control, right? It's not like you tell your ear, hey, by the way, I need you to hear it. Frequency 520, please. Thank you. Hey, by the way, when you smell, I need only these olfactories to be activated because I don't want to taste that. Um, because yes, you use your olfactory to taste. Uh, you know what? Cones, take a break today. We're only using rods. That's what's up. No. It's almost instantaneous. The actual functioning of just existing, right? Is instantaneous. You don't think about it. You don't talk about it. You don't have a conversation with yourself and say, yo, I'd like to lift my pinky. Can you do that? Sure thing. It's just instant. Before you even complete the thought that you want to lift your hand, it's already up, right? So how fast is that? How fast is that? Nobody knows, right? It's instantaneous. It's before instantaneous. Before you even think of lifting your thumb, it's already the fuck up. So, huh, here we go. So you exist and your thoughts, right? And your emotions, right? They can actually change the way things are. If you're nice and you're and 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 safe and serene sitting in your bathtub floating in the water or not floating or barely fitting whatever it is, right? When you're in your bathtub and you're in the serene place of just being there. Your thoughts are now going nuts, aren't they? Have you ever sat down in silence just to just to not think, but you can't not think? And you're at this point where your mind is going insane. You're thinking about things you shouldn't think of. How many times have I caught myself in church? And the first thing I think of is, did I turn the coffee pot off? Who did I lock the door? And then you think of all these things. The minute you want to just not think and just be, right? everything's just activated. You're just like, yeah, I got to think about this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Right. And, and, and you come up with the weirdest fucking shit, shit you would never question. If you were busy, you wouldn't even be thinking, Hey, did I leave the light on? Or did I lock the door? Because you'd be like, nah, man, totally did it. I do it every day. Definitely done it. So I don't have to think about it. But the minute you want to pause, to take control of how you feel in the moment, <laughs> that moment's fucked, right? You want to feel the moment of doing absolutely nothing, and it's fucked. You cannot simply just be in that still. You can't. And there's people that actually go out and get help telling doctors, dude, I can't turn my mind off. I, I can't sleep. I have no peace because 
I've got so much shit on my mind. The minute I just want to exist, I'm like, oh my God, did I pay my cell phone bill? Holy crap. I've got to pay my health insurance. Oh my gosh. Wait a minute. Let me make sure I can do this. Right. And you're just like, oh, I can't because it's going to take me three hours. You know, guys, planning shit that I have to do for the next three weeks, which is a lot, right? It took me such a long time to just even find airline tickets. Do you know how hard it is to purchase airline tickets these days? You've got to look at news. Whose who's pilots are dead? <laughs> just saying. Where am I going to save some money, right? Because the prices are up for some reason, and they're constantly selling tickets even though they don't have the staff. Um, yeah, not doing American for a while. Um, and then comparing, uh, what date should I book it? Oh, I found this perfect ticket last week, but I'm going to have to wait till Monday or Tuesday, which is a sweet spot around 3 PM when all the prices drop and I've got to be ready by then. So you're doing homework procrastination like a bitch, right? You'll take four hours just to book one fucking flight because you need to save money, make sure you can fly and that it's timely, right? So all of these thoughts happen just for you to complete one task. Imagine when you're just simply laying in your bed and how many of you can't lay in bed without watching some YouTube video that's mindless. Yeah. I watched uh, Bailey Sarian and her makeup movie mystery things where she's doing her makeup while talking about some murder mystery. Or I watch Vivian tries that tries a bunch of random fucking shit you would never buy. And I really want to go to a Japanese store because I haven't found one of those yet because of the stuff that she pulls out for like $2. But nobody Nobody is able to empty their mind, right? Your thoughts are running like crazy. You can't do anything without that, right? You can't find peace. Well, I'll tell you what I do find peace in, and I know it sounds super lame. You're going to be like, that's so lame. And it is kind of lame, right? I watch like these old shows. Um, so I've watched any version you can imagine of the Christ's passion, uh, on my phone, on YouTube every night. And there's one series, I forget the name of it that I was watching and it would take me five days to simply finish it. Even though it was like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, I would have to start it from where I remember I left it because for some reason I find peace in that. And suddenly my brain turns off, right? Um, that actually helps a lot of people in the chat are saying they do the same thing. Intercourse helps that, that would, that would require mates, but thank you. Um, should watch the chosen, watched all that stuff. Um, chosen is great. Yeah. I really love their, um, renditions. So thoughts driving us insane. We, we seem to try to always control them, but we can't. And that's because we're too busy worrying about tomorrow and worrying about yesterday, right? So while our thoughts are, this is how you can see that you're trying to control your thoughts by trying to predict what's to come or to uh, sit down and think about what already happened and what you can do to avoid whatever repercussions are to come. That's the problem. We're constantly in, constantly in a state of peak or trough, future and past, future, and past. So for all those people that find a struggle with so much information out there, you have to realize that, and this is, this is important, that 
the future and the present and the past are all one in the same. Uh, and I don't want to make a paraphrase on it, but it is the holy trinity of time. It is the past, the present, and the future. Without the past, you do not have the now. And without the now, you do not have the future. So if people could actually just focus on the now, suddenly your thoughts stop. And once your thoughts stop, once your thoughts stop, everything becomes clear. You don't need to hear anything. You don't need to watch anything. And you know what? Suddenly you're going to see what I've been saying. I remember that um, when I got back stateside and I was trying to insert myself in the medical environment via studies, I delved into, I mean, so many advanced courses. Like, you know, I started in December of 2008 um, and I completed my degree. I graduated in December of 2010. All right. I got an undergrad in two years and most of the class that I took were grad level, obviously, because I wasn't stimulated enough with the lower level ones, but the lower level ones kicked my ass. And I remember, um, being so dumb, like, why am I struggling to just do this? Like I was staring at a paper and I was like, why is this? I know it's dumbed down to the point where you can't even hear the sound. You know, when you're listening to music and someone slows the tempo so much that, that you're just like, yeah, fuck that. I don't know what song it is. You got me. Right. That's that moment. And I'd never been educated formally in that science, in that realm. And suddenly it hit me. I don't have to learn it. I already know it. And Suddenly, you know, the whole world just changed, <laughs> literally. Whole world just changed. And it was at that time that I realized that I could probably just skate away, paying attention to those around me, getting the information that I want, learning the things that I need to learn so that I can move along on whatever mission I had tasked and get it going. And suddenly everything made sense. I didn't, I didn't have to be taught, right? And neither do you. You don't need to be taught. Uh, everything is already there. Uh, I, I, I mentioned it again um, before. When I was taking my uh, uh, neurobiology unit in, in medical school, I was also taking a neurochemistry um, uh, course at the College of Pharmacy across the street. And I was trying to see how they claimed memories are stored. And this goes back to cloning. And we'll talk about that. Not now. It's not the time now. So I had taken those classes concurrently because sometimes there's an overlap. And I remember that when I was at that um, seminar slash class, that's what they call them, seminars at the College of Pharmacy, whatever, um, the instructor was saying about, was talking about all these theories of how the brain stores memories or responds. And then the medical side of things, uh, you know, our neurosurgeons that would come by and teach us, um, you know, even from the gross anatomy lab where we split the brain in half, we're all saying something different. The uh, PhDs and, and those that create drugs to manipulate how your thoughts come out knew the mechanisms of how you respond to thoughts and, and memories, but they didn't know where they 
restored. They did know from, you know, drug use and alcohol use and, you know, where the mechanism and feedback loop to make memories is, but they still didn't know where they were stored, right? They were like, well, we know that the hippocampus is really important in creating long-term memory, but we don't know where the fuck they're being stored. And this is why they had apes taking alcohol, cocaine, and weed. The weed monkey, always great. You know, I hung out in that lab, totally had fun. So, uh, that was one side, the research side that was looking at the molecular mechanism. And then you have the physicians, the doctors that were like, well, you know, I, that I look into brains, I don't know where it's stored. I just know that that's where the circuitry is, but nobody knows where they're stored. <laughs> and that's where, you know, I would, I pose the question to both. Well, what if it's in your DNA? Because at that time, I was also attending a class that was talking about aging and uh, telomere research. Uh, that was the unit at that time when they were teaching. It was so beautiful. I had the trinity of learning everything about memories and knowledge. And it just clicked like, how stupid are they? Um, we're programmed. Hello, it's in our DNA. So if you're everything your ancestors were, right? from eye color, height, weight, genetic defects, if you'd like to call them that, which are less than 1%, because actually other things cause that, um, then what does that mean? That means that all the knowledge they had, you have. This is how unexplainable things happen. Like children are piano prodigies. They never picked up a piano, but they had a great grandfather that played the piano. Hmm. Or like my daughter, my eldest one, right? When she turned nine, um, uh, she was actually in Kentucky with me. I had taken her to the Derby before. She was like Rain Man. That kid can tell you what horse is running, if they can run on gravel, uh, on, on, on mud, on sand, on grass. You know, my hair is a Rain Man when it comes to horses. She loves horses. She doesn't own a horse. She wants to. But she's like Rain Man with horses. Now, I had never shared with my daughter ever that my dad ran horses at the Meadowlands, Belmont, freaking, and the Derby. He had a horse that he ran in the Derby with his buddy. I never told her that. And it never concerned me. As a kid, the only thing I remember is going to Belmont and freaking the Meadowlands and eating some really good clam chowder and playing on the great jungle gyms they had for kids. Like, I wasn't even on it. I remember that I bet on a horse named Mimi Dreamy once, and I, apparently I won money. Didn't see it, but, you know, he did. Um, and naming horses. Like I wasn't into it, but for some reason, even though there aren't pictures, I never mentioned it. She was never exposed to the fact that her granddad, my father ran horses for some reason. She's infatuated. She's just like him. She can look at a horse's feet and say where they can run. So that means that somewhere in that DNA, right? That, you know, terrestrial factor that you have that binds you to this reality means that that information has been transferred, which means the knowledge is there. So having said that, if the knowledge is there, then why do you need someone to tell you what you need to know? You don't. You already know. And by saying that you need, need to know something is even weirder, right? It's, it's very weird. People have one they have two states, the states of confusion and the states of lucidity. 99.99% of the time that you're alive, you're in a state of confusion. And 
the smallest percentage is lucidity. And that's that twilight moment when you wake up before it hits you that you got up, right? That twilight moment um, that you wake up. So the only thing uh, that I would highly not preach to you, but suggest is have this ability to have a moment of clarity. Find what works for you. It's never a stimulus and find it because, you know, maybe you could, for me, it's usually in the shower, dead serious, standing up. And it's only a split second when I can turn that shit off. But you know how I turn it off? By not trying to turn it off. Just sit there with the water running, hands up against the wall. And I'm just like letting those thoughts run until their fucking feet get tired. And then at some point they shut the fuck up. And that's where it is. And I think with all the stimuli that you're getting of information from the fear porn to the, you know, oh, the, the graphene, it's in the water, it's in the vaccines, it's in our food, it's in, yeah, it's in everything, right? Can you stop it? No. Can you purge it? Maybe. Will it fix anything? Not really. Oh, well, we need to, you can't do that either. So now what? Well, we're going to stop the chemtrails. How are you going to stop the pilots going? How many of you have been protesting against that? We're going to find out the truth. How are you going to find out the truth? Because you don't have the will to want to find out the truth because your illusion is a lot better. And those that are working hard, there are a shit ton of people right now writing letters, making phone calls. Every morning, I know this lady. And, and she reminds me of me. There's a list of shit that I do in the morning too. There's this list of phone numbers. I have a burner phone just for that. I call a bitch. I tell them my complaint and that's it. And then I'll send an email once a week. So I don't be considered spam. And I switch it up a little bit about telling them how fucked up they are, that they're not doing their job just to make record of it. And every month I'll send a pack of letters that are pretty much the same thing, right? That's it. So I have a routine to do. Now, will it make a difference by itself? Not really. But one drop after another drop and another drop, suddenly you've got a cup that's full. And this is how you operate. You do exactly what you can for that moment. Exactly what you can. You know, there's, um, I don't want to put it out yet, but there's a person, um, that I've been giving a shit ton of support to, uh, that be research, financial, uh, you know, and I don't even have much, but if I've got $2, I gave him one, um, moral support, friendship. And that's because I can't do what he does from where he is and anything I can, I support a million percent. That person, not a lot of people know about, uh, that person, I'll throw cover for them. I'll hijack for them. <laughs> I'll, right. But I do as much as I can for that person because their level of expertise and allowance to do so in this construct is a lot more different than mine. So we all support things in the way we can, and we all do things for the goal that we wish to achieve in the ways we can. Um, if you want to be able to eat a potato and not have that green shit in it, guess what? You're going to bury a potato in the ground if you can, or in a pot in your house, and you're going to grow that bitch because you have control over that. But then again, control. Can you really control your thoughts? Can you really control your actions? Really good question because it is simply emotion.
Because right now, everything you're seeing, everything you're hearing, everything you're watching isn't about a thought process. It's about making you feel something. And until, and it's a very old saying, your mind and your heart should meet and you can move mountains, right? Well, your mind is running crazy with a shit ton of information and your heart's all fucked up. It's happy one second, sad the next, shitting its pants the other, ecstatic on the other, right? This is how it is. You need to find that still. That's why I pushed it. Uh, so hard, and I keep saying it, find your freaking still. While the world is in chaos, be that person that's like so calm that you don't give a shit. Be the person when they slap the cuffs on you, you're just like totally at peace. Be that football guy that looked really pretty when he jumped over that group of people. There's like a picture where he was just like, yeah, totally at peace, looking all pretty and shit while everyone was toppled over. Be that be that person because that's the only thing that can help you. You need to pour that oil over you and create that slick, no wave, right? Not waved. When you're in that still, you're able to see truth. You're able to taste truth, touch truth, feel it and hear it. That is how you know where the truth is. So even when there's evil demons talking shit, here's where you can listen to truth. I want to share this with you where they were talking about the January 6th committee. Listen to what CNN says. It's very interesting. Listen to the truth, even though what they're saying is horrid and disgusting. Listen to the truth. You can hear it. Just sit still if you have to physically and just listen. Breaking news, the top Republican in the House, Kevin McCarthy, is announcing five Republicans that he is naming to the January 6th Select Committee. Manu Raju is out front from Capitol Hill with more on this. So, Manu, who is on McCarthy's list? Well, some of his closest allies and some of the staunchest defenders of the former president, Donald Trump. These five appointees came after weeks in which the Republican leader had not named anyone to serve on this committee. This despite eight Democrats being selected, or eight members selected by Nancy Pelosi, seven of whom were Democrats, one Republican, Liz Cheney, selected by Nancy Pelosi. But five Republicans appointed now by the Republican leader. Uh, that includes Congressman Jim Banks. He is the Indiana Republican. Eight. Let's look at those pictures. Indiana, Representative Jim Banks, Representative Rodney Davis from Illinois, Rep. Jim Jordan from Ohio, Rep. Kelly Armstrong, what, from North Dakota, Rep. Troy Nels from Texas. Kind of funny because one of these dudes is involved with Biden, another one of these dudes is involved with Obama, and one, two, three of those dudes have had staffers try to hang themselves after going to a farm party. So weird. Democrats being selected, or eight members selected by Nancy Pelosi, seven of whom were Democrats, one Republican, Liz Cheney, selected by Nancy Pelosi, but five Republicans appointed now by the Republican leader. Uh, that includes Congressman Jim Banks. He is the Indiana Republican, very close ally to McCarthy. He will be leading it, uh, the ranking Republican on uh, the GOP side. Rodney Davis of Illinois, as well as Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota, fresh and freshman Troy Niels of Texas. Uh, now, uh, two of those members voted to certify the January 6th election. 
and that includes uh, Kelly Armstrong as well as um, Rodney Davis. The other three voted to overturn the electoral results, and two of those members, uh, Jim Jordan and Jim Banks, uh, signed on to the Texas lawsuit that would have invalidated millions of votes across several battleground states. Uh, but in talking to these did you hear the truth? So two of them, the two that I mentioned, specific, uh, they voted to certify the election. Two others said no. How, how many are up there? Five. Oddball out. Kind of weird, huh? These members just now talked to some of them as they came down. One of them, Jim Jordan. I asked him, what do Republicans want to accomplish on this committee? He said this committee is being used to attack Donald Trump. That was his view when I asked him what Republicans want to do. So you can see this is setting up for very partisan clashes. Democrats say they want to investigate everything, including the former president's actions. And Republicans are at least one of them on the panel is making clear he views this as an effort to go after Donald Trump. And you can bet he will defend the former president's actions as well, as well as several of these others will. We'll wait to hear what the others say. But next week, Kate, the first hearing before this select committee will take place. And that will be here testimony from Capitol Police officers about their experiences before they decide to investigate other matters, including the former president's actions. So wait, Monty, going in, even before they hear anything or see anything, even though they lived through it and they should know better, these Republicans are already going in saying that this whole thing is just about taking down Donald Trump. So they, are, they clearly feel that their entire job then is to defend Donald Trump and thus defend the insurrectionists? I mean, that's what this is. This committee is already setting up for? Well, that's what Jim Jordan made very clear to me just moments ago. He has been saying that from the beginning, and he was also part of that effort to try to overturn the electoral results right. on January 6th. He did vote twice to do that, and he has been a staunch defender of Donald Trump from the beginning, and others on this committee as well. Uh, one of the things that to watch out for, too, Kate, is how Republicans have been signaling that they want to look after, go after Nancy Pelosi, what she did or what she did not do to secure the Capitol that day. Watch that to be the focus of the Republican side as well in the weeks to come. So you're seeing how this is going to play out. Republicans, of course, blocked an outside commission from investigating going forward. They contended that would be filled with partisan politics. But this select committee undoubtedly will devolve into a partisan fight. At least that's what things are we're headed at the moment, at least what some Republicans are suggesting they're viewing right now, Kate. Speaker Pelosi has veto power over the members on this committee. Is she going to use this here? I, that is unclear. The moment they say they're reviewing what the speaker, what the leader has uh, come up with, the Republican leader, Pelosi does, according to the rules, can say essentially no, that she will not allow these members to go forward. But if she were to do that, undoubtedly that would create, create outrage among Republicans. It's unclear if she would do take such a step. It's rare to reject a member from the other side on a select committee. This is a typical process that is done here, but she does have that power. Some Democrats believe she should use it. It's unclear, though, what the, what the speaker herself will do. Mm. Manu, thanks so much. <laughs> Great reporting, as always. Also tonight, eight months... I think I heard a COVID cough. ...months in federal prison. That is the first felony sentence for a January 6th rioter. 38-year-old Paul Hodgkins, you see him right there, traveled to the Capitol from Florida that day, carrying a Trump flag all the way into the Senate chamber. Prosecutors had asked for a harsher sentence of 18 months in prison. So, quote, according... People who might be contemplating a sequel to January 6th will stand down and there won't be a next time. Out front now, Ellie Honig, CNN senior legal analyst and former federal prosecutor. Ellie.
He totally looks like a loser sleazebag. What do you think of this sentence? So just look at their faces. If you were a casting director, wouldn't you pick those faces to be there? So now you want to irritate the audience and say, well, we got this in the bag. Wouldn't you cast a character like this? It's kind of like that guy that played, what movie was it? Was it Gladiator? The guy with the scar on his lip that played Octavian or something like that? Totally looks like a villain. Some people just have that face. Just like this bitch looks like she's a robot. She doesn't even look real. Okay, I think it's light. I think it's within the range of reasonable outcomes, but I think it's light. As you noted, prosecutors ask for a year and a half year, 18 months. Prosecutors, we don't always get what we want, but this judge gave less than half of that. I have seen many, many people commit less serious crimes than this and do significantly more time than eight months. And one of the key concepts and purposes of sentencing is deterrence, sending a message to this defendant, but also to other defendants that this conduct is serious. And if you're thinking about it, you better not because the law is gonna come down on you. And I don't think an eight month sentence meets that goal. Who made these laws? Think about it. These are man-made laws by who? Because it doesn't apply to them. It only applies to you. So who created the laws that apply only to you and not them? And the laws are for you, not for us. We can do as we please. The law is for you, not for us. Right? Doesn't it sound like that? Sounds like the Ministry of Truth is coming out. Hold on. There's more. Here's Jake Tapper. It seems like all these villains that you want to throttle from your TV have funky lisps. Take a listen to this. This is going to be fun. Okay, listen. New story in our politics lead. We just learned that a former Trump advisor and chairman of the Trump inaugural committee was arrested today and charged with federal crimes. Prosecutors say Tom Barrack illegally lobbied on behalf of the United Arab Emirates and tried to sway the Trump campaign and incoming administration. CNN's Evan Press joins us now. Evan, what are federal investigators saying specifically that Tom Barrack did? Well, Jake, he was acting on behalf of the UAE without registering uh, with the Justice Department as a foreign agent. And so, and so that's what he's charged with. But among the things that uh, prosecutors say he did. Wait, was he just charged with Farah? Wait a minute. But wasn't Hunter Biden really advocating for foreign nations like in that fucking email where he was couriering documents but not registered as a foreign agent, but they did have that Muldoon guy that is also part of the Rothschild company that then got confirmed as a federal employee while working as a Rothschild, you know, member, director, whatever the fuck he is. Um, he was registered as a Farah. Uh, you know, he had Farah documents. So I guess that is the cover for Hunter because they had Muldoon usher the documentation. Therefore, Muldoon was really doing Doing all the lobbying and shit therefore they're okay but bingo we get you somewhere else when what if an american citizen is acting as a foreign agent now that's something no one's discussed yet so they got him on farah because they really tried to get president trump but they couldn't but it's trump ally trump this trump that well acting as a foreign agent you mean lobbying on their behalf but what if you are the foreign entity <laughs> like, I don't know, like Huawei or something. It's back in 2016. Then candidate Donald Trump is uh, making a speech, an energy speech. And uh, at the request of his clients in the UAE, Barack uh, allegedly uh, inserted language praising the UAE 
which the president delivered or the, the, the candidate uh, Trump then delivered uh, during his speech. Uh, in another uh, instance that, that, that prosecutors de describe, uh, they apparently, the, U the UAE provided uh, talking points for Barack's uh, TV appearances. He was a prominent voice for Trump, if you remember, uh, during the years there. And uh, apparently uh, after one of those appearances, he, he sent an email to uh, someone in the Emirates saying, quote, I nailed it for the home team, according to prosecutors. That was a reference to the UAE, not the United States. They also say that at one point the, the Emiratis were pushing a particular person for the ambassadorship in Abu Dhabi. Barak was coordinating with them, trying to promote that person with the, the administration. Well, what about the Biden administration having their aides fucking people and then pushing them to come away from Trump, give information on Trump and then make them ambassadors? There's a story on that. OK, so, you know, we really need one of these, but we can't because they are all actors. We should have our own like what is it called? Like a TMZ just for politicians to rat out all their dirty fucking shit and hide out in their garbage cans and take pictures of them with no makeup on, no wigs and see who they really are. That would be fun, right? We need one of them TMZ things. Um, and we, <laughs> they're just all acting. Dude, when you realize that everything is not real, everything is a lie, you are, you are literally manifesting all of this. Uh, how do you guide someone out of this, you know, dream slash nightmare? Thanks for reminding me, Biscuit. You heard that? That was a meow dream. How do you guide someone out of that? With the truth. That's how you do it. So listen to some more truth here. We did get a statement from uh, Tom Barrack's uh, spokesperson who says, quote, Mr. Barrack has made himself voluntarily available to investigators from the outset. He is not guilty and he'll be pleading not guilty. I should note that among the charges he's facing is obstruction and making false statements during an interview he had with the FBI in 2019. Yeah, and two list. others were charged uh, with Tom Barrack. What do we know about them? Uh, one of them works in Barrack's company. The other one, according to prosecutors, fled he's an emirati who is also charged in this case uh, according to i wonder if they got any of these emiratis that have been working for you know the bidens because they actually had negotiations with qia which is called the qatari investment authority and they were working with uae where are all the fucking emails guys that you have because i have it and maybe you can put it out in a digestible format if we want to talk tom barrick Right. Why don't you whoop those emails out and use your big ass fucking stupid platforms and tell the people how he was cutting deals with the UAE's shit down in fucking Qatar. Why don't you do that? Oh, no, that would be too much truth. Right. We just need to pretend we're trying to work for the people while we fleece them. That's what's up. Prosecutors, he fled after he was interviewed by the FBI in 2018. He has not returned to this country. And so one of the things that the prosecutors are pointing out is that uh, Barrack has all these international uh, ties and perhaps because of this presents a flight risk. All right. Interesting. Evan Perez, thanks so much. Let's talk more about this with Ellie Honig, CNN senior legal analyst and former federal prosecutor. Ellie, according to the charges, uh, Tom Barrack had a dedicated cell phone with a secure message app for the purpose of communicating with senior UAE officials. Based on what you've seen so far, does this sound like a, a, a compelling case to you? It does, Jake. The evidence looks not just strong, but overwhelming to me. This is a 46-page indictment. It goes into great detail. Really, the main crime here has three components. One, was Barrick 
lobbying the United States government clearly, and not just lobbying, but successfully in the ways that Evan just laid out. Two, was he doing so on behalf of UAE? It looks like DOJ has emails and texts proving just that. And third, did Barrick fail to register with DOJ as a foreign lobbyist? Plainly, he did that as well. So it looks like they have a very strong case to me. Barrick is 74 years old. This is serious prison time, theoretically, if he's convicted. And let's keep in mind, he said he is not guilty. His spokesman said he's not guilty. And allegations, accusations are not convictions. But do you think it's possible that he might try to make a deal with prosecutors? Absolutely possible. Any defendant has to think hard about that, because generally speaking, the best way to save yourself to reduce your own risk of prison time is by cooperating with prosecutors. Important to keep in mind. In the federal system, anyone who cooperates has to tell everything they know about anything they did or anything anyone else did and be willing to testify. And remember, Barrick was in charge of the 2016 inaugural committee, which at one point was reportedly being investigated by DOJ as well. Now, you say that the foreign... But let's not talk about how Barack Hussein Obama was caught in his inaugural committee and his campaign to have committed fraud. And it, that died with a whimper of him just paying $3.5 in fines, right? But that was okay, because it was Barack, right? Not Barrack. Anyway, so see, all of this is out there just to agitate you and for you to manifest. How about you manifest we set these motherfuckers on fire, literally, and have them pull their pants down? Because that's exactly what everybody is doing. And this is where you should be focusing your energy. Because here is where they show you how much they hate truth. Allow me to demonstrate. See, Tucker, like I said, I chose for a reason. Because uh, he's, he's their target now. And he's a target that's sustainable for now. Keep that course, Tucker. Don't let the Ministry of Truth get you. Take a listen to what they had to say on CNN about him. If vaccines work, why are vaccinated people still banned from living normal lives? Honestly, what's the answer to that? It doesn't make any sense at all. If the vaccine is effective, there is no reason for people who have received the vaccine to wear masks or avoid physical contact. So maybe it doesn't work and they're simply not telling you that. Fox host Tucker Carlson is one of many in the right-wing media casting doubt on life-saving COVID vaccines, even as unvaccinated Americans continue to drive up COVID case numbers. Let's talk about this now with former Fox News chief political correspondent, Carl Cameron. He is now the co-founder of Front Page Live. And I wonder, I think I know the answer, but I want to know from you, why are hosts like Tucker Carlson doing this? It's about ratings. Just and, money. And ratings ultimately become revenue. And that's the name of the game. Uh, whoever gets the most clicks on social media makes the most money, gets the most fame, gets the most attention. And that type of uh, activity is not journalism. It's not news. It's gaslighting. It's propaganda. I mean, just last week, New infections went up 70%. And according to uh, the CDC, which over, excuse me, the NIH, which oversees the CDC, it is uh, absolutely 95, 99.5% of those infections mm -hmm. are people who haven't gotten vaccinated. I mean, come on. Uh, anybody who disputes that sort of stuff is putting people's lives at risk and potentially killing them. No question about it. And we see this red state, blue state divide in vaccinations. So you say it's about a business uh, model. It isn't killing your own supporters a bad business model? Absolutely. It makes no sense whatsoever. This is literally the metaphor of the lemmings running to their own slaughter. 
uh, people who are listening to that sort of stuff instead of the science, which goes way, way back, we would we would not be the world we are today if it. Yeah, you should totally listen to the co-founder of Front Page Live, Carl Cameron, because he's the all-knowing. There is no fucking knowing. We know everything. There is no one that can be the knower to give you the knowledge. You have it all. You just don't realize it yet. And while many might think that this is a pessimistic, this is just me flexing because August is going to be lit. You thought July was crazy. You're like, well, the results came out and now they're not going to uncertify when all the Q people said it was going to uncertify and he's going to come. And then we're going to have Mike Lindell come in with some hard facts and they're going to whitewash that shit like they're whitewashing the Hunter Biden shit like they're whitewashing. But fuck if I'm going to let that happen. So I'm going to be really busy for the next three weeks. I will find time to have peace for three of those days, which is good because that way I can marry that in. But wait till you see what August has because this is all in preparation for October. And you're going to see what that means because all the news that you are seeing is totally getting recycled. I mean, you even have Alex Jones that sat on the liquefying people and that guy's insane, right? How does he not put that out? He waited for it to die out so it's not associated with me that I'm their fucking news source because I am the fucking source. And all of these people are just regurgitating shit we've already talked about. They're all listening to older shows, trying to find the relativity to now because I think some of them have accidentally cracked the mathematical code of what each of them were saying. You know, someone went down a rabbit hole yesterday for the 14th of um, February and actually sent me a really interesting video and said, holy gosh, darn it, Dan diggity dog. Today, somebody literally wrote that to me. I found something based on what you told me. And so I'm going to share it with you. It's a little bit out there. I've never watched a video like this before. Um, I'm going to just let it stand on its own feet. Right. Um, but, um, it is quite fascinating. Hold on. Let me just get the clip because you're going to want to listen slash watch, but it's more listen because, you know, listening helps you see things. It's like reading a book. Uh, this is why sometimes I don't like using video and I like using, um, just audio. It lets you see things with your mind. So I'm going to share the video anyway. And it was pretty cool because he was like, hot diggity dog. <laughs> I saw um, February 14th again. The terrifying reality that you were the only one left on earth. Me Javier, a.k.a. Unico Sobreviviente, which means lone survivor. He claims to have woken up in a hospital with no recollection of who he was. When he wakes up, he notices that there's no nurses, no doctors, nobody in the hospital at all. When he goes outside to investigate, there's no cars moving, nobody on the streets, not even a bird flying in the air. Yeah, no animals. Now he's recording all of these videos. Counterpart has that all the time. And people are asking so many questions, including myself. At first glance, when you watch these videos, they're very entertaining. You're like, oh, he, he must be recording them early in the morning. Maybe he did it during one of the lockdowns. He just filmed a bunch of videos and he's just releasing them now. But that's not so. The more I watched, the more I became scared. If you've ever watched movies like I Am Legend, shows like The Walking Dead, you know that there's a lot of money involved in those production sets. 
millions of dollars on CGI to make it look like the world is desolate. Now, Javier is only using his phone to film and uploading these videos barely edited onto TikTok and he lives in a very big city. Now, as he starts getting his memory back, he remembers that he was in 2021. When he looks at computers, looks at his phone, everything is exactly the same as 2021, except all the dates on every electronic device is saying 2027. He realizes that there's some sort of connection between 2021 and 2027. He still has access to the internet, and he's even shown different locations, exact coordinates, to where he's at and leaving things this is something like a parallel world a different dimension but a connection from 2027 where he's at and 2021 what i find rather fascinating and unique is he's going to these places that are that are populated and that's what makes me wonder like did he really do this during lockdowns and just leave those things there and then have this master plan of people finding them later later on you're not going to want to miss this because the story gets even crazier. And I know what you're thinking, like this cannot be real. There is something that he's doing, maybe some virtual reality, maybe some tricks with his camera, maybe he's paying people. Valencia, Spain is huge. It's home to about 2.5 million people. When you see some of these videos, even during lockdowns, you can see birds in the air. You can see, I mean, this is, you know, of course, other videos that people are posting of where he's been. There are people there very crowded areas i put myself in his shoes like he's probably really scared he's by himself what would you do think about it i mean this surpasses every fear imagine being all alone us human beings like we have a connection we have a connection to other people to animals we need that connection we need those relationships nobody around you're alone if something happens to you like that's it it's just you now, this is where it gets interesting. There's followers of his on his TikTok videos requesting certain locations for him to go and explore and to show that there's no one there. We're not just talking about regular places. These are historic landmarks in Valencia, Spain, churches, hospitals, even a soccer stadium. Some have argued that he's going early in the morning, but he continues to prove people wrong. In this video, Javier shows a comment on the screen and the comment says this. All your videos are made super early in the morning at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. when there's no one around. He then goes with this comment on the screen to a heavily populated part of the city with a clock, a public clock, and shows that the time is 5, 5.46 p.m. I think that's military time. And I don't know about you. I mean, here in America at 5 o'clock, it's, it's rather busy. And it's really popping where he goes. But um, I will share the link in the Telegram and on the chat. Now, uh, what to make of it? This is this could be, in fact, a glitch or indeed manufactured in order to grab the narrative for what's coming, right? Because it's coming. And nothing can stop what, com what is coming cannot be stopped. No matter how hard they try, they can't stop. I saw someone in the chat say that they sent it. It's not you. It's the person that was talking about the final countdown. I shared the lyrics for final countdown yesterday. And um, it was it was pretty weird, right? Because, you know, I played that song once on the 14th of, <laughs> of February. 
And then they noticed when I did it again. So it was quite fascinating. That person that went down the February 14th rabbit hole was just happening to watch this video and was like, holy shit, it said February 14th on that one. So having said that, as my time is almost up, I thought I would play a rendition of the final countdown to end tonight's show. I am hoping that you like it. And most of all, Please find your still. I am really working hard to get this story out. There's just so many facets to it that I have to walk everyone through. And that's the worst part because I don't want you to just listen to me walk you through it. I want you to have the actual documents in your hand. God bless. Because unfortunately, you think you have to see to believe when you should be walking in faith, not in sight. See you tomorrow. It's the final count.